Please be seated for our Bible reading. The first reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And the second reading is from Matthew 6, verses 2 to 4 and 19 to 21. So, whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray together? Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding to awaken our hearts, expand our minds and shape our identity in you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the oldest games in the world, and I'm sure it's a game that we have all played before, is the game that you can kind of see depicted in front of me. We call it rock, paper, scissors. 
You know, it's a game you can even play physically distancing, isn't it? I could try it out this morning, but we, but we won't. But this game, rock, paper, scissors, helps us to understand our message today. You see, today's the final part of three, isn't it? Which we've been looking at, at what it means to, to give, if you like, a harvest of generosity. Each week we've been looking at this question of how we can excel in giving and answering the question before God of how will we invest in his vision for giving? Because our giving matters now more than ever. Here's where the, the scissors come in from that game. Scissors make a cut. It's a reminder in our giving as Jesus' followers that we're to give a cut of our income to God. Why do we do this? Because God is the owner of all we have. As St. Paul said to his prodigy, Timothy, we brought nothing into this world and we will take nothing out of it. Lots of us pretend otherwise, whoever we are, from all walks in life, but everything we have is God's. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And in effect, when we give that cut to God, this is what we're doing. This is what we're saying to God with our income. We're simply giving back to him what he has first given us. And as I mentioned as well previously, we're to give the first cut of our income to him. And that comes from this biblical idea of a tithe. Remember, if you don't know what a tithe means, it comes from the Hebrew word meaning a tenth. It encapsulates idea, this idea that we give the first tenth of our income back to God. Therefore, we give a cut not from what is left, but what is right, which is the first part of our income. And over this short series that we've looked at what it means to give a harvest of generosity, we've explored three elements of what that looks like, each of which are actually reflected in that first Bible reading this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. For instance, in week one, we explored how giving a harvest of generosity, it begins, it begins with a conversion by the grace of God. This is how we see it described in that reading in 2 Corinthians 9. It's described in thanks be to God for the indescribable gift given to us. In other words, a gift that's too wonderful for words, namely not a what, but a who. The gift of the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, I was chatting with someone, not from this church, who this past week we were just talking about how, even as Christians, we fail to grasp the true meaning of God's grace to us. That when we fall in love with Jesus, he has the power. And grace to working in our lives has the power to transform any part of our lives. That was two weeks ago. Then last week we explored, didn't we, how planting a harvest of generosity, it grows through practicing faith over fear in our faithful God. You know, to give God the first cut of our income can be scary. Will I have enough to live on? You know, St. Paul knew that. That's why he thought the Corinthian church may be thinking that. So he just says these words in verse 8 of our reading. And God is able. 
and God is able. And then he would go on to say this, to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. Remember, he is a first principle of faith. Faith is about the ability of the one we put our faith in. And so Paul just writes, God is able. He is the one who can make all things abound in us. You know, if we could read New Testament Greek, this is how we'd see he'd emphasize that point this morning in that verse, verse 8. We wouldn't necessarily understand it in English, but this is how we'd understand it in Greek. You see, he'd use alliteration as a way of rhetoric to put across his point as to what he was saying, that God is able. He is able to provide everything that we need. And so we move on to our third point this morning. That not only is God able, that not only is it a conversion by grace, but also what we understand this morning is in verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. See, let me ask a question this morning. You know, if we give sparingly, will we excel in giving? You know, what do you think? If we give sparingly, will we excel in giving? What do you think? The answer is... No. Why is the answer no? Because this is what it means to sow sparingly or to give sparingly. It's where the rock, if you like, comes in this morning from the game Rock, Paper, Scissors. You see, the picture we use to denote a rock is this one, isn't it? It's a clenched or a tight fist. Believe it or not, it comes straight out of the Bible. So in the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 15, And verse 7, we read, The Israelites were encouraged not to be tight-fisted in their giving. You know, let's not be so tight-fisted with our money, as some can be, that we'd make the queen cry. You know, let's ask a different question. If we give bountifully, will we excel in giving? What do we think? If we give bountifully, will we excel in giving? The answer is yes. You see, this is what it means to give bountifully, isn't it? It's where the paper element comes in from the game rock, paper, scissors because the image we use in the game to denote paper is an open hand. It too comes straight out of the Bible. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15, verse 8, the Israelites were encouraged to be open-handed in their giving and to give bountifully encapsulates this idea of giving with an open hand because it means to give with the intention of blessing others which is what the word bountiful actually means in the Greek it's the very opposite isn't it of what it means or the intention of what it means to give with a tight or a clenched fist you know if we want to reap a harvest of generosity now which is God's vision for each of us we invest by seeking to bless people in our giving Because in Jesus' own words, it's more blessed to give than to receive. 
So let's get practical. Let's get practical and explore in a bit more detail each of these passages this morning and look at three ways of how we test drive this out in our lives. Here's the first. To give bountifully comes from the heart. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, we read this, don't we? Each of us must give as we've decided in our heart. If you're following the new Revised Standard Version translation, you may look and the word says mind. But actually, if you look at the Greek, and I know why they've translated it that way, but it's the Greek word for heart. It's the word cardia. Why the heart? This is why the heart, because in the Hebrew world, the heart was the center of your being. It was the center of your decision-making. It was where life started, and it determined the course of your life. It's why Jesus said in today's gospel reading, isn't it? We know this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. This reading that, that Jesus talks about from the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous message. In it, it's a series of teachings, isn't it, about the decisions we should make in our hearts to be like him, exhorting us to look after the condition and health of our hearts, to either guard our hearts against certain practices and give our hearts to alternate ones, as Jesus knew. And we know this in our own lives, isn't it? It's very easy for our hearts to be influenced by treasure. This time quoting St. Paul on another occasion. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's why excelling in giving is never a financial issue. It's always a spiritual one because it reveals the condition of our hearts. To give bountifully is to give, first of all, from the heart. Secondly, to give bountifully is a decision that we make. If you like, it's, a, it's to give with purpose. If you look, it says, each of us should give bountifully through the decision we make in our hearts. What does it mean to give with, with purpose? Well, if you like, St. Paul used some alliteration earlier that I mentioned. Here's a bit of alliteration from me of what it means, I think, to give purposefully. Here's five ways of giving purposefully. This is, if you like, what, what I do, basically. So this is how, when it comes to, to what I give and what we give as a family, this is how it works out. This is purposeful giving as far as I'm concerned. Firstly, it involves a plan. It's not some sort of random idea, oh, where will I give this month? There's a plan of who and how we give. You know, for me, because I believe you give to the church first, 80% of everything that we give goes to the church first, and then 20% of our giving is in that category. It's a plan. Secondly, purposeful giving is a priority. It comes from, as we've mentioned, the first cut, the first fruits. Thirdly, purposeful giving to me involves a percentage. I've usually found that, that those people who give bountifully are giving a percentage of their income each month as laid out in the Bible. Fourthly, purposeful giving to me is progressive. There's some yearly review that's going on. And it may not happen every year. But there's, there's some pattern happening to that percentage. That it's actually increasing as an amount of our income. 
In other words, that what that's doing is our giving is stretching our faith in God and his faithfulness, as I talked about last week. And fifthly, that there'll be an element where that giving could be prompted for something that might come up during the year. That's, if you like, five Ps. Here's what you may have noticed about those five words, beginning with the letter P, or you may not have noticed it. I never mentioned what the cup would be or what the amount would be. You see, that's what we read here. It's between you and God. That's, if you like, between you and God in response to God's grace and our abilities for each of us to practice faith over fear in our faithful God. That we either offer the paper or we offer the rock. We either sow sparingly or we give sparingly. And then here's the third way that we test drive whether we're giving bountifully. You know, are we giving for the right reason? You know, are we giving for the right reason? You see, across both of our Bible readings today, we can identify, can't we, at least three wrong reasons for giving. In effect, this means it doesn't matter how much we give. Even if it's a huge amount, if we give for the wrong reason, then all we're doing is we're simply giving sparingly. You know, if we give firstly, we read in verse 7, reluctantly. You know, that word reluctantly means literally to give out of pain. It means to give where we're inwardly so full of sorrow of what we've lost by giving. And in the end, such types of giving just lead to kind of bitterness, don't they? They just kind of lead to, to resentment. If you like, it eats away at our heart, as Jesus would, would talk about, or it kind of rusts away at our heart. Or secondly, there's a second way that we give sparingly, if we give under pressure, which is similar, but it's different, because to give reluctantly is an inward attitude. To give under pressure is something that's outward, because we feel forced maybe to do it. And then thirdly, the third way is if we give, as Jesus talked about, expecting some song and dance to be made about what we've given. You know, apparently in Jesus' day, each week, what used to happen as part of the service in the synagogue was they used to publicly announce who'd given what each week. Imagine that. Can't think of too many more things too toxic, can you? You know, but sometimes we see similar practices today. And sometimes when people give, they don't mean this to happen, but we've seen it happen, basically, haven't we? That all of a sudden, a new building is built and the most generous donator suddenly finds that the wing is named after them. I shouldn't say the most generous donator because it doesn't mean that they were the most generous donator, does it? It means the one who gave the most. You know, I've seen similar practices happen in churches. You know, the Bible would just say that means what it means to give sparingly. There is, though, a different way to give. This is what it means to give bountifully. It means to give, first of all, cheerfully. This is what it means to give, to give cheerfully. Imagine this. The word cheerfully is where we get the English word hilarious from. That's what it means to give bountifully. You can imagine what, that's, uh, what that looks like. And secondly, it means to, 
service, Jesus would talk here to give in secret. See, giving's a secret service. You know, in the words of the title of one of the films of the most secret service agent in the world, it is for your eyes only. And of course, God's eyes, who we read will honor the gift in his way. Giving is, if you like, a private account, but it's got an eternal investment. And like I, like I say for nearly 10 years now, I'll never know because I never get involved in it. And I never ask, and I've never made it, and I've always made it a practice to never to know because it's between you and God. And that's all that matters. And so we'd normally, at this time of year, historically, we'd normally have a gift day. We'd normally ask each of us to review our giving. And so if we've done that this year, can I just say thank you? Thank you, like I've said each week, to each of us who've faithfully given to our church over the years. And especially over these past seven months because our giving matters now more than ever. And if you've already responded to that gifting month of October appeal, thank you. Because your giving matters now more than ever. You know, I was reminded just the other day of this. How people of faith are more generous than any other group of people. I don't know if you knew that. But there's a, there's a report produced in the UK, and I have no reason to think it's any different here. It's produced each year by the Charities Aid Foundation, and it looks at where, who gives, and what sort of causes it gives to. And did you know that half of the money given to charities is given by around 2 million people who give over a, a £100 a month? You know, if you then start working that out in the UK, that is mainly coming from followers of Jesus Christ. You know, these are difficult times for all of us. Let's not pretend otherwise. For some, it's an uncertain future. Some of us have lost income. Some of us are about to lose our jobs. And that's in this church, and I know that. And that's only the ones that I know, which is why the challenge is higher. To respond to God's gift of grace in our life and to stretch our faith in God who is able. And so we ask... All of us, because giving isn't every member ministry. It's not about the amount. It's an every member ministry to review our giving and to consider increasing it by at least inflation. To secondly, to change the way we give. Because the world is changing. The church has got to catch up. To set up a, a standing order for monthly giving if you're able. And then thirdly, if you're able, to give a one-off gift for gift day amount. That might mean that you're able to give an extra amount this year. That might mean that you're able to give for those times when you've not been able to be in church to do that. I said each week that I'd update you as to where we were, where we were at, which is always a risky thing to do, isn't it? Basically. Um, because you could be left looking with egg on your face. And I said after the first week, because remember, we don't have electronic banking on the church. So it's a bit behind. So this is where I said we were at after the first week. We're at 25%. Here's where we're at at the end of the second week. We're at 65%. So thank you. Thank you to each of us who've been able to respond so far because our giving matters more than ever. And let's continue to answer that question. How will we invest in God's vision Forgiving. Shall we pray together?
generous and faithful God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you for your gift to us of Jesus Christ, a gift too wonderful for words. In our giving, may we examine the condition of our hearts and respond in a bountiful way. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is able. Amen.